Welcome to Walking with Freya, a journey through special needs parenting. This podcast is a place for parents and caregivers of children with special needs to share stories, the very real struggles and challenges we face, along with the inevitable love and joy these children have brought into our lives. This is a place for unapologetic honesty, well-intentioned laughter, and endless support. A safe place for us to learn, share, discuss, and help each other navigate this often unexpected journey. Be kind, be supportive, and when you can, keep the humor. My name is Annie, and welcome to Walking with Freya. Hey everyone, and welcome back to Walking with Freya. I... Hope you've had a good last couple of weeks. I know I'm coming out every two weeks and it was really hard to not put out another episode. I really wanted to, but I'm trying to be sustainable with this. Um, I have a lot of other projects along with my family and I should say more importantly, my children. So um, I'm trying to keep this sustainable and really only coming out every two weeks for now. So this issue is that I want to talk about today. I want to talk about siblings and it's kind of a new issue for us and actually the the we kind of just came through a, a bit of a rough patch. And so when I sat down to kind of write out this episode, um, this is actually the second recording. The first episode, I just read everything that I had written, and it just didn't sound as authentic as me just sitting down and talking about it. So, you know, I want to say that we have three daughters, a 13-year-old, Freya, who's six, and then a five-year-old. She just turned five. And I've never thought too much about how Freya's disorder affects them, kind of more the other way and how they can be beneficial to her and her life and what they can bring and how they can help with her struggles. And perhaps that's a bit unfair. Um, That comes from a place of knowing that in a lot of ways their life is going to be easier. But it is something that came up uh, recently and we kind of went through a phase. My 13-year-old is has a very strong sense of justice and she's learning to be vocal about it. And I, this is a trait that I admire and I nurture and I praise because, you know, it, I think it's great for a young girl to really have strong opinions and to be confident in vocalizing those opinions. However, sometimes I feel like they're a bit misplaced or, you know, she needs to go a little easier on me. I mean, she's not a tyrant. Good Lord. I'm making her sound like a tyrant. She's not a tyrant at all. But she does notice that sometimes I parent Freya a little differently. And I am just trying to figure out this whole parenting a child with Prada Willie thing, because it is a little different. Like the processing is a little different. Her brain works a little differently. And I'm trying to understand that. So sometimes my daughter sees that and gets really frustrated and doesn't understand why I'm not disciplining her the way I would discipline them. See, I we live in a place in a part of the country where there are a lot of really dedicated, loving parents that have kind of a different style of parenting than how I was raised. Um, I don't know if it's a generational thing or... Andy and I, my husband and I joke about it as like an East Coast, West Coast parenting style. We were both raised by East Coast parents and very loving and great parents, you know, but clear boundaries, 
right? That's what, I guess that's what we're talking about. Clear boundaries and, you know, uh, something we've noticed out here, there's a lot of talking through things and a lot of negotiating and, which is great. I think, you know, definitely talk to your kids, communicate with them. However, uh, I am also, I like to have clear boundaries. And when I set those boundaries, I set those boundaries and that's that. So, so one of the issues is that Freya gets kind of really stuck on things sometimes. Um, you know, she can be stubborn and just very willful. And I am trying to understand how to, how to react to that because, you know, like for example, if she's sitting down coloring and she has to go to school and this is just an example, I don't usually let her color before school because of this. Um, if she's sitting down coloring, she gets really focused on her coloring. And if you say, okay, Freya, we have to go. Even if you give her a few warnings, she just, she'll say, I'm not done. I'm not done. And she'll start getting upset and agitated. And with my other kids, you know, if it hit that mark of it's time to go, I would just take the coloring book and say, that's it. I said, it's time to go. We're leaving. Clear boundary. <sighs> However, with Freya, it doesn't work that way Um, because then a meltdown ensues. If I were to do that, there would be a lot of tears dropping to the floor. And it also feels unfair because I'm not sure what she is understanding. I don't know that she is understanding the the freaking concept of of the time or... You know, and that's not to say that I think that she's not smart. She's a very smart kid, but just having done the research and knowing the potential issues and the slow processing, I think is the biggest thing that is an element of Prader-Willi syndrome is the, the slower processing. And I've seen it and I think I've mentioned this, but I, but I've seen it. I've, I've said something to her. I've asked her to do something and I watch her and it'll be a few seconds later she's just kind of got this blank face and then it'll click and she turns off, turns around and runs off to do it. So it's not that she's being defiant. It's that it's just taking a minute for her to understand. And then I'm not sure how much she is understanding. So in situations like that, like if my, if my daughter will ask Freya to do something or, you know, tell her to clean something up and maybe Freya doesn't do it right away. Then, Fre- then Haven starts getting upset because I'm not coming in there and, and saying, Freya, you were told to do this. And it gets muddy and murky and I'm not, I'm not doing it right. I'm still trying to understand how it is that Freya operates. And it's hard for me to explain it to Haven in any kind of way that makes sense to her if I don't understand it myself. <sighs> now, like I said... Things are, things are easing up a bit. And I think this could be another episode, but I had Freya on a supplement that, um, it's just, it's basically a food. It's a mushroom supplement. And I checked with her specialist who had not tried it in Prada Willie syndrome, but did some research and, you know, said that it, it was safe and that it sounded like a great idea. So I tried it. Um, and I wish I'd taken better notes. I'm going to try again, but a couple of things that really stood out. I mean, I really think that I can, I really think that this, this stubbornness 
was brought on by those supplements. It seems like it because it really did start to come out and she really was difficult to deal with for a little while. And even her teacher was pointing that out. She was also having trouble sleeping, which can be a Prada Willie thing. And she was even saying like she would crawl into bed at night and kind of whine and say that she couldn't close her eyes. And so I was wondering, oh no, she's starting to have anxiety now. Is, is this what we're going to be dealing with? And then I ran out of the supplement and I didn't get more right away. It's expensive. <laughs> and I noticed within a week that she was sleeping better, that there seemed to be more peace in the household. And, and then I had a parent-teacher conference and her teacher said, you know, lately it's been really, this past week she's been fine about coloring. You know, when I tell her she has to be done, she's fine being done. And it just totally clicked. And I, so I'm really, I really think perhaps uh, the supplement was adding to some of that stubbornness or really kind of bringing it out, but I'd have to do another, another test run. And I'm not sure I want to, <laughs> we'll see. Um, so I do want to say that. So things have gotten a little easier, but, but when I was you know, when this was happening and I was feeling really frustrated, I reached out to the Prada Willie community on Facebook and they're very supportive and there's a lot of talk going on there. Um, but for some reason, my post about how do we talk to siblings and how do we explain it, I didn't get much response. And the little bit of response that I did was pretty dire. One woman said that it was great for my 13 year old to be learning compassion, but that what she really needed was time away. Well, I totally agree with that. I think that everybody needs time away from everybody. I mean, we all want to break, especially from our family. So that made sense. But then she shared a study and it was brief and it was quite depressing. So let me tell you briefly. Um, so the title of it is The Impact of Prader-Willi Syndrome on the Family's Quality of Life and Caregiving, Caregiving excuse me, and the Unaffected Siblings Psychosocial Adjustment. There's a slew of doctors' names, um, and it says it's from the San Diego Functional Restoration Program, San Jose, California. Uh, this was off the PubMed.gov site. There are a few other acronyms in there. Um, it's a government website of medical research. Um, I don't know if that's enough clarification. You guys can probably find it if you're looking for it. Okay, but the point I want to get to, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to read the results of the study. <clears throat> Families, mothers, siblings with children with PWS showed poor perceived quality of life compared with general inpatient and outpatient samples of children with complex health conditions. Families, mothers, siblings with children with PWS reported difficulties in family functioning, communication problems, and an increased number of conflicts. <laughs> the, they appeared to be experiencing significant behavioral distress symptoms with higher than average levels of depression and feelings of isolation, anger, and worry. 92% of the siblings indicated moderate to severe symptoms of PTSD. Compared with normative populations, siblings demonstrated poor quality of life, with mothers perceiving more significant deficits in the sibling. <sighs> okay, so the first time I read through that, um, it sounded really depressing and sad. And now that I've had some time to sit and think about it, I read through it again and I don't know. I just was kind of thinking, uh, duh, I don't know. <laughs> it's unfair, but I just want to, I want to point out two things about this study. Okay. It is depressing. It sounds horribly depressing and, and hopeless. 
Really? 92% of the siblings indicated moderate to severe symptoms of PTSD. That is a huge number. Moderate to severe. I mean, that's some, that's some serious PTSD. So two things I want to point out. One, the study came out in 2013. I think it was actually done in 2012. That doesn't seem that long ago by some standards, but when you look at everything, all of the knowledge that they're gaining, all the medical research they're doing, especially in regards to Prader-Willi syndrome, that's a good number of years. That's five, six years. I can't do my math. It's five years. I think they can learn a lot in five years. And there's a lot of advancements in five years. I mean, we have had a diagnosis for five years, and it seems like what people know now compared to what they knew when we first got the diagnosis, what the doctors knew, you know, I definitely see progress. The other part, which I would say is the uh, the bigger part, this um, the participants consisted of 12 mothers and 13 siblings. So that's 12 families. Doesn't seem like a, a large enough population to really take much stock in. And the study didn't, the study says families mothers and siblings, but it says nothing about fathers. I'm not a medical professional. I don't mean to question their tactics or what they were trying to accomplish or how they interpreted the results, but I mean, except that I guess I kind of am, um, because it seems like a bit of an underdeveloped study. So I have, I have two kind of strong reactions to this study. One, I think it is a really powerful reminder and and a powerful example of the stress and anxiety and the trauma that can be caused and inflicted on a family when you're dealing with issues of special needs. I think it's it's great to affirm for people that there are these emotions and these stresses you know, just the recognition of the challenges. I think it's great for that. And, you know, I mean, there are sometimes, especially when Freya's in that mode of just being so stuck and stubborn, it's just, I, ah, it's infuriating. I don't know what to do. I just wanted to sit on the floor and cry or just sometimes I just have to stomp down the hall and just shut a door, separate myself for a minute because it's so... It's irrational. When you're dealing with irrationality, sometimes we don't know how to cope. We don't know how to deal with it. And then on top of that, to have Haven getting mad at me because she doesn't think I'm dealing with it properly, and then her and I have conflict. It is. It, it, it can be really stressful at times. And so it's a good reminder that oh, sometimes it is really hard. And to, to remember that I have other children in this situation. And then it can be hard for them. I also want to clarify for some reason. I realize that I realize that the issues that my family is having are seem like a walk in the park to other families. These issues kind of come and go at this point. The problem is that I know the potential for future issues, and that's where sometimes I get hung up on. You know, when something seems maybe kind of minor to somebody else, but I know that 
It's just a sign of things to come. If we are to listen to the statistics of her disorder and how it manifests and all that stuff. So this study, the study is a good reminder and, and a good affirmation that it is really stressful and hard. And even if it looks on the outside, like the family's got it together or that things are going smoothly. I mean, I mean, I get that so much. Oh, Freya is such a sweet, sweet girl. She's the sweetest girl and I love being around her. And of course we all do because she is so sweet. But yeah, this phase that she just went through, or like I said, maybe it was the supplements. I mean, that's hard when she gets upset. She gets upset. Whew. And like I said, that you know, at six, it's not it's not like that big of a deal. But I've seen I've seen evidence of what older Prada Willy kids can do when they get upset, and it's very destructive. And perhaps it was older siblings that did the study, you know, perhaps, or I mean, you know, siblings of older kids with Prada Willy syndrome, because I think, you know, as they get older, the, the tantrums still happen, but they're way more destructive because they're bigger. My other reaction is that I just want to just seeing the detriment of putting too much into these studies. The woman that shared this study on my Facebook post. That was a quote. That was the, uh, the information she pulled out. She said 92% of the siblings have moderate to severe PTSD. I don't, I mean, that sounds really dire and that's what the study says, but you know, again, like 12, 12 families. I don't know if that's enough to say. I mean, for one thing, like I said, fathers weren't included. I don't understand that part. I don't understand why fathers weren't included. And I will say that if it's because it was, you know, families where there wasn't a father, I mean, what's the stress of that? You know, to have a single parent family, that's more stressful usually than a two parent family. So what about that stress? But I'm, I'm sure those doctors, those researchers, they know what they're doing. So I'm sure there was a reason for that. I'm sure they took it all into account. I don't, I don't understand all of it, but I just wanted to point that out. Like, you know, be really clear about what you're reading and, and try not to take it too much to heart, I guess. I don't know. I think they're great, but, and you know, I can be, I can be pretty cynical. I like to think it's more on a humorous side, but, um, as cynical as I can be and as honest as I try to be with myself about the challenges that we face for the future, I am ultimately a person that operates from a deep sense of faith and hope. And I don't mean faith in like a religious way or, you know, I don't mean, you know, I'm not like skipping down the road in some Pollyanna bliss, you know, I, it's just a statement of my character. I do think it is crucial to try and find hope where we can, not to the exclusion of the realities, but as a way to put one foot forward down the path. In a way, I see this study as like a challenge, right? Like a place to practice defiance, right? This, the study is a template of the possibilities that we need to be ready for, but that we can fight against or that we can surpass. I think the question is, 
How do we help our children live with the challenges of having a special needs sibling? How do we cultivate peace and compassion in them for their sibling without overburdening them or on the other end, shielding them? The reality is that families are difficult, but having a child with special needs should not be a guarantee of anxiety and trauma. So the question is, how can we as parents and how can we as a community live and teach our children to live with these blessings and these challenges in a way that is healthy for all of us? I'd love to hear what you have to say. I'd love to hear your suggestions, your experiences, your wisdoms, all of it. I I would love to hear it. I think that we could really help each other out. I'm sure there are so many families out there struggling. I believe, I don't mean to knock the study like it's not real or that it's not a reality. I mean, because I, I believe it to an extent. What I'm saying is like, let's look at this. Yes, like these siblings do experience more stress, but that doesn't have to be it. That doesn't have to be all. That doesn't have to be the blanket statement. You as parents, if you're parents of a child with special needs, know that you have this child that is, can bring so much difficulty and frustration and fear into your life, but that, that doesn't come unbalanced. That doesn't come into your life unbalanced because there is, when you have a baby that you have almost lost or that you have had to really, really fight for and you really fight for every day, the connection and the deep soul love you have for that being and that person, I don't know. It's totally worth it. So, share your experiences and uh, your wisdom to the benefit of all. For me, for now, I think I'm going to... My goal is to come to a better understanding of how Freya operates so that I can handle these situations with more compassion and more calmness, and really, I really want to be able to help Haven understand why things are the way they are, and to show her how to maybe step back from a situation. I did offer to, I tried, I tried to talk to Haven about it, not in the heated moment, you know, I had to wait a minute, Um, And I I did try and talk to her about, I offered to find her a sibling support group. And when I said that, she looked at me and she was just really confused and seemed genuinely baffled as to why she would need one. So that leads me to believe that things aren't as frustrating and stressful as I thought. So for now, I think, I think we're okay. But she does know that I see her and that I see her struggles And 
that I am here to talk through, talk it through with her or to find someone who can. And I hope that for now, that is enough. For the record, for the record, Haven is, she's a great big sister. She is loving and kind, generally. <laughs> she is 13, um, <laughs> but she's, she's very loving and very kind. And she interacts with them. She initiates interaction. She enjoys spending time with them as long as they're getting along. And she's been giving Freya her shots. Uh, not every night, but she's been able to give Freya her shot. When she, she's 13, at 11, she learned how to give Freya her shot. And that was like a point of pride for her that she could give her sister her, her growth hormone shot at night. And I love it. It's very sweet. She's helped her with her therapies. You know, it's kind of, she kind of can make a game out of it. And she is as genuinely excited and happy and proud of Freya as we are. When Freya meets these, these goals and these accomplishments and does things that are hard for her and succeeds, Haven is genuinely happy for her. So there is a lot of love there. And I'm, and I'm grateful for that. So all this being said, I did a little research and I found a website that I thought might be helpful to many of you. Some of you may know it. I don't know too much about it, but it looks like a pretty great site. It's called The Arc. Um, the website is thearc.org, T-H-E-A-R-C dot O-R-G. And The Arc is an organization for people with intellectual and developmental disabilities. If you go to their homepage, they have a list of relative roles that you can choose from like a parent, a person with a disability, a friend, a sibling, and more. And I checked out the I Am A Sibling page, and there you can sign up for the Sibling Scene newsletter. Um, there are a variety of resources, like the Sibling Support Project. There's um, learning how to support your sibling in the future, advocacy, and, and a lot of resources. So you might want to check that out if this is something that you're struggling with also. It might be a good a good place to start. Um, if, if you know more about it and want to reach out to me, that'd be great. Walkingwithfreya at gmail.com. You guys know the email by now. So I've come to the end of it for now. I have one little bit I want to say. Leaving a review, subscribing to the podcast, sharing it with your friends, all of this stuff helps put it out there more and it helps get it on lists. So if you're finding this podcast helpful, informative, or oddly entertaining, please subscribe. Share it with your friends. Leave a review because this is how it grows. It puts the podcast in places where people will see it. Perhaps there's that mom at drop-off. Or a pickup, right? You take your kid to school and you see that mom and she never talks to anybody. And maybe she doesn't talk to anybody because she doesn't know how to explain her child's diagnosis. Or maybe there is the guy that sits next to you in a cubicle and you see the pictures of his kids on his desk and every now and then you ask him, hey, how are your kids doing? And he says, oh, good. But he doesn't tell you that he leaves early from work every Wednesday because he has to take his kid to the therapist. Maybe it's the young woman that serves you your coffee 
And in her mind, she's just tormented by thoughts of, of considering putting her baby up for adoption because she can't afford the medical appointments or the terrifying reality of, of having a child with special needs and the future that she's facing. Perhaps these people need to be able to find this podcast because we are everywhere. Some of us are more vocal about it. Some of us are very vocal about our children's diagnosis and their struggles and what that brings. But many of us are terrified and quiet and alone. Perhaps this podcast, this community that we are creating can be the invitation to speak, to open up, and to connect. So please, share this podcast, tell a friend, and let's find each other.